All right, thank you, Jamie Lee. The delightful prayer. All right. All right, good afternoon, New Philly. Uh, as many of you guys know, Pastor Aaron and I, we were away in California for the last 10, 11 days, and we got back on Friday night, and we just had a wonderful time, and I just want to take a moment just to share about our trip, and then I'm going to preach a powerful word to you today. And so uh, we were out in Los Angeles and San Francisco, and we had a few days in LA, and then we had most of our time in San Francisco. And on this trip, I personally asked the Lord for divine appointments. And then I also asked the church to join me in praying for God to open doors for preaching, for the gospel to be preached. You know, just as the Apostle Paul wrote in his epistle, uh, pray for me that there would be an open door for the gospel to be preached. You know, I asked you guys to preach with, uh, pray with me in that. And the moment I arrived, Aaron and I arrived at LAX airport, in the customs line, I bumped into uh, Pastor Ray, who is the up-and-coming senior pastor of Sydney Full Gospel Church. And if you guys don't know, June of last year, I was invited by the English Ministry of Sydney Full Gospel Church, FLM. They invited me to come out and speak for their conference. And so I got to preach at that thing, and I got to spend time with Pastor Ray. Pastor Ray is kind of like Pastor Jin. He's kind of right now. He's the son-in-law of the founding pastor of Sydney Full Gospel Church, which is one of the bigger churches in, in, in Sydney. And he's about to transition in and take over as a senior pastor. But he's actually quite young. He, uh, he's only about 41 or 42 or something like that. So he's actually quite young, and he speaks English really well. He studied at Fuller. And so I bump into him at the customs line, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, Pastor Ray? You know, because there's all these, like, people, like, you know, there's a flight came in from China, there's a flight came in from Korea, you know, everyone's mixed in there, and I, and I see this face, and I'm like, Pastor Ray, and so I greeted him, and he was pretty much done with his customs line, so he was about to go find his baggage, and we were just getting into line, but I applied this year for Global Entry, which is a program that allows you to electronically, through your fingerprints, if you register in advance, you have to pay $100 and go, go in for an interview. Uh, you just go into this machine, put in your passport, your fingerprints, and then you're done. It didn't even take 30 seconds. So I go through global entry, and, and I go toward the baggage area. He comes right out, and so we connect. I get his phone number. And so we met up while we were, he was there in L.A. for a few days, and then he was going to go to IHOP and do, do all these things. And I got to meet the new English ministry pastor that he just hired, which is a prayer request that is answered that we prayed for when we went there in June. And so that was really cool. Got to really strengthen and solidify that relationship. And also God opened up another divine appointment with an old college friend. Uh, this guy, his name is Pastor Howard Yoon. And actually some people found out they actually know who he is. And when I was a NYU student, I remember going to a Korea Campus Crusade retreat, and Howard was like, like, like the guy that, he was like the devil. Right? <laughs> all of the seniors and all of the upperclassmen, they were like, you know, hey, uh, we're praying for Howard, but man, you got to watch out for him, you know, uh, you got to watch the girls, all right, because, you know, and the next, next thing I knew, Howard, indeed, he just, he left the retreat early, and there were a whole bunch of, like, young freshman girls that were missing, and so, you know, 
I, I, I don't know. He just, I don't know what he did with him, but you know, like, he was that guy. The guy that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, he had this haircut and it looked like, you know, horns coming out of his head and stuff. And anyway, he was, uh, he was not really walking with the Lord at that time. And what happened was years later, I bumped into him in New York and he had just come back from Dallas Theological Seminary because God powerfully transformed his life and he gave his life uh, to full-time ministry and he was studying at Dallas. And so anyway, I hadn't seen him in, in a while, maybe seven, eight years. He's also a fellow Sterney, so we went to the same school. And so I got in touch with him and for whatever reason, he was so excited to see me again. And so I, was, I just kind of put it out there. Hey, Howard, I haven't talked to you in a while. We'd love to just kind of connect with you. Uh, maybe grab a bite to eat or something. And he was like, no, come over to my house and I will make you my famous Texas barbecue brisket. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How good can it be, right? <laughs> well, Aaron and I, we went over his place. He had his beautiful home there. And he brought out that meat. And I tell you right now, man, I will pay for that meat. <laughs> it, was, it was even better than the Brazilian barbecues that I've had. I mean, it was just so delicious, and he said the secret was in the rub. You get this, you buy this rub, and you rub it around the, the meat, and then you slowly cook it all day. And then the, the, the meat's just like tender and soft. It was delicious. Anyway, uh, besides that, we, uh, after, as we had the meal, we got to talk, and he really connected. He really loved Aaron. Uh, we got to connect with him and his wife, and... And uh, we just had a wonderful time just catching up, sharing about ministry. He's currently at the Holy Wave, which is the EM of Sarang Community Church. Yeah, in L.A., in Orange County. And so, yeah, Holy Wave. Yeah. Aren't you glad we're called New Philly? All right. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I know a Korean came up with that name. I, no, no way. Anyway, I know. All right. Much love to all the Koreans in here. All right. I'm sure it makes sense in Korean. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, we had a wonderful time, and that was also another divine appointment that we had in LA, uh, besides some other divine appointments. Uh, on the prayer for open doors for preaching, man, I'm telling you guys, I think you guys overdid it because when we got to San Francisco, it was ministry nonstop every day. And we only had one free day. So thank you for praying. <laughs> I mean, we left Korea with like maybe one or two ministry opportunities. And then we get there and every day. Anyway, so we arrive and Erin right away gets off the plane. She preaches at Living Hope's Thursday Thunder, which is their equivalent of their Friday Fire prayer meeting. Preaches a powerful message called The Hidden Power of Resistance. Uh, it's on our Facebook page. Be sure to look for it. It's an awesome message. We really um, bless you guys. Put things in perspective. The next day, Pastor Aaron preached again at Living Water Alameda, uh, which is a church that Pastor James, you know, he's the guy who visited us last summer. Uh, he, pa- he planted that church about a year, a little over a year ago. And they had a Friday night prayer meeting. Actually, they don't really have a Friday night prayer meeting, but they created one just so that uh, we can, they can host us and have us minister. So... Pastor Aaron preached on sonship there, and it was really powerful. And then on Sunday, I got to preach a living hope at the 9 a.m. and 11.15 services, and I preached a message called the Jeremy Lin Phenomena. If you don't know, go check it out, all right? I'm just saying, it was a pretty good one, all right? 
All right, be sure to check that out. Check that out. A lot of people were really blessed. They came up to me afterwards, and they felt that that was a prophetic word for the house. Uh, and so they were really blessed that they received that in. And then the next day, uh, another door opened up for us to preach. I got to preach at Living Water Berkeley. And so we go to UC Berkeley, and they have a Monday night prayer meeting each week. And there are about like, usually they have about 50, 60 students come out. Uh, but uh, on this Monday, there's like, what is that? Oh, there's a fruit seller outside. <laughs> what the? Fruit seller? Uh, um, anyway, I'm sorry. When we got there, man, Aaron Cassandra had joined us by this time. Uh, Aaron Cassandra and I were there to minister. And let me tell you, man, we were blown away. These are UC Berkeley students. UC Berkeley is the home of like hippie nation, liberal spirit. Like every demo you can think of, you know, like UC Berkeley is headed up. And we get there and these students were so hungry. It was amazing. And, and they weren't really even moving that much in signs and wonders yet or maybe they had seen some of it. But they were just hungry for Jesus and whatever... Um, piece of revelation they had they were just hanging on to it and just pressing in for god it was there was so much hunger in that room i was i was just shocked and i was just walking around taking pictures and i was like shocked how much hunger there was and then i preached a message called the lampstand of pure and beaten gold it's a message i preached about three years ago and i'll tell you man every sentence they were hanging by every sentence and students were like oh oh snap they were like there were Jamie's there. And these students were hungry. Let me tell you, man. And so Aaron, Aaron and I, we got a prophetic word that God's going to show powerfully. And Cassandra felt the same way. So, man, we're thinking, like, we've seen some powerful fire services in the past, you know. And so we're thinking, you know, similar to what we saw in Sydney, similar to what we've seen on our mission trips to, you know, Myanmar, Philippines. We're thinking, like, fires is going to fall and everyone's going to get wrecked, you know. And so we have uh, prayer time, and uh, it was powerful, but the signs and wonders wasn't like, like crazy like we've seen it before, you know. And so it maybe in one sense we felt a little disappointed, but I'm telling you, like, they honored us so much. I mean, they were just pulling everything out and just getting really blessed, and they were receiving the word. Uh, I had Cassandra and Pastor Aaron prophesy. We just picked random students out of the crowd, and they prophesied, and it was a really powerful time. Um, let me see, Aaron prophesied over this student named Dylan, who's on the praise team. And as Pastor Aaron prophesied, he kept going. <laughs> he kept laughing at every sentence that came out of her mouth. And then later on, he expressed that everything she was saying was describing his situation. She was like, you feel like, you feel like top up head. And everyone started laughing because everybody knew about Dylan's situation. And so it was like, we really powerfully ministered to him. Cassandra picked out a girl from uh, the crowd. And, and Cassandra just started calling out, you have a heart for justice and all these things. The girl started shaking and crying and doing her crunches like this, you know. And <laughs> we're just praying for her. And she got powerfully ministered to and then later on, we found out that she's going to be accompanying Pastor James on a mission trip where they're going to be rescuing children. Um, I think it's in India or Cambodia, one of the countries. I forgot which one. So it was a powerful time, man. And 
And afterwards, man, people are lined up to get prayer from Cassandra, lined up to get prayer from Pastor Aaron, you know. Nobody lined up for me, but that's all right. It's okay. No, no, no. There were students that asked me for prayer, too. And I prayed for them, and it was, it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And what we found out was there are actually a, a good group of UC, Ber- uh, I mean, yeah, UC Berkeley students at Living Water that are, like, f- religiously following our podcast. So they've been listening to, like, every podcast, every sermon from, like, last year. And so that's why they were so hungry and excited. And, you know, usually they have a 50, 60, but they had over 100 students there. So they were just really, really hungry. And then on Tuesday, another last-minute door opened up for, for me to preach at the Ark Ministries. And you guys know Pastor Benjamin and Sonny have uh, taken over uh, the covering and providing leadership for the Ark now. And so they have a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And Pastor Benjamin heard about what happened at Living Water. And he was like, why don't you preach? You're going to preach tomorrow. And I was like, okay, I'm going to preach tomorrow. And next thing you know, we both went and we ministered at uh, the Ark Ministries. I preached a message on submission. It wasn't that popular. But, you know, hey, it's all right. All right. I don't preach for popularity. Okay. I preach to obey and do the will of the Lord. Uh, some people got up and walked out. But you will be proud of me, all right? I didn't call them out. All right. If you're here at New Philly service, you know that if you try to go to the bathroom in the middle of my sermon, I'm going to call you out. You better hold that bladder. No, nah, I'm playing. I'm playing. I released you. You guys can, you can, you can feel free to go if you need to. Uh, and then we ended, we ended up uh, finishing with a fire tunnel because uh, everybody at the ark was really just, uh, they, they love impartation. They love like signs and wonders. They're so hungry for it, you know? And so we did this fire tunnel. Pastor Robert Daniels and his wife Diane were there. Pastor Sonny and Pastor Benjamin were there. Uh, Pastor Aaron and I were there. Cassandra, uh, Pastor Joseph, Kim was there. And so we did this fire tunnel. And so, you know, students, they just, students and uh, young adults, they went through the fire tunnel. And we just pray, pray and bless them. People, you know, a lot of crunchers at uh, the ark, you know. You know, a lot of, a lot of this stuff. <laughs> it looks like... It looks like Ray Lewis's uh, celebration dance, if you, if you know f- professional football. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was real cool. Uh, Cassandra chose a girl at the ARC prayer meeting uh, named Julia. She just like called her out of the crowd and said, I want to pray for her. And so when I saw this girl, I knew her name because a few nights before at uh, the ARC six-year anniversary service, I was just going around, and they told us to kind of greet your neighbor. And so I greeted this one student. And when I caught her hand, I got all this, like, revelation about her. And, and, and there was this, like, fear thing that she was struggling with. This was imp- intense oppression of fear. And so I remember I, I caught her name, and God highlighted her to me. And I was like, Lord, set her free. Lord, uh, minister to her. And so three nights later, when she goes to the Tuesday prayer meeting, Cassandra picks her out of the crowd. She comes up, and I'm like, Julia! And she's like, how'd you know my name? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I work like that. I'm prophetic. Get up here, girl. <laughs> and then I gave the mic to Cassandra. <laughs> no, no, no. I prayed for her, too. And it was powerful, man. She was just in tears. Uh, it was exactly uh, what she was going through. And so she was really ministered to. And so we had an amazing time. So, yeah, uh, we ended up having one free day on Wednesday. 
And then Thursday morning, we flew back to Korea. But anyway, regardless, we really enjoyed uh, all the ministry doors that God opened up for us. And uh, in between, we just have fellowship. We just have fellowship everywhere. In L.A., we got the fellowship with uh, my good hometown friend, Sam, who's out there, single, available, uh, good-looking young man. Uh, and his, uh, we got to hang out with Sam, his roommate, Tim, and then you guys know the JSC alumnus, Anthony. Uh, they all live together. And so we crash at their place and... Uh, Sam, Tim, Anthony, and I, we ended up staying up till like 2, 3 in the morning playing uh, Winning Eleven, <laughs> which is a soccer video game, yeah, which is what I used to do with Anthony when he was here. Like with Brian Wee and Danny Sugg, we used to play Winning all the time. Anyway, we had a, we had a fellowship, all right? And uh, then we got to visit Bobby O and his family. It's a missionary that we support. We got to have dinner with them. Uh, we visited David Pyo, who's studying at Fuller. And uh, we got to see Fuller Campus for the first time. And man, that, 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 that seminary is like got a long, rich history. And they have a beautiful new library. And they have an Asia stack section. A whole floor dedicated to like Korean, Chinese, whatever. Like, you know, all kinds of books for Asian. And so we go up to that floor and they were just... It was pretty much all Koreans on that floor. <laughs> they're all studying and stuff. And anyway, that was cool. Uh, at Living Hope, we got to see Mickey, Daniel, PJ, Dell. We got to hang out with Dell. It was a good time, man. Dell, Dell, Dell just ended up sleeping over uh, P, uh, Pastor Benjamin's place, and I got to share with him. He got to share with me about what's going on. Joe O and uh, Aaron, who got married recently, uh, who are actually took over Pastor Isaac at the Arcs College Group. Uh, we got to have dinner with them. At Living Water, uh, if you guys know Sun, she used to be here with us. Uh, she's serving there, and she's, she's, she's just prospering, man. She had all these stories of favor. And one cool thing about Sun is uh, I meet a young girl at Living Water Alameda, and she comes up to me, and she's like, do you remember me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember your face. I, I added you as a Facebook friend, but I can't remember why I added you. Usually I'm very meticulous about that. But I remember, I, yeah, yeah, I know your face. And then she's like, well, I'm Sun's younger sister. And the story behind that is when Sun was leaving Korea, one of the things I prophesied over her was pray for your family. Pray for your sisters. God's going to do a powerful work through them. And then I had also prophesied that God is going to give you favor so you can find a car. So you can get a good car so you can drive around California. And, if, and so I meet this girl and her name is Hana. She's uh, Sun's younger sister. So she comes up to me and she tells me the story of what I had said to Sun, and then how Sun started to pray. And as she started to pray, Sun, who was very backslidden at that time, uh, within the last two years, she just come, came back to the Lord, got baptized at Living Water, and is now serving at the church, one of the most encouraging members of the uh, Alameda campus. And she was just uh, really just um, thanking and, and honoring me for par- taking part in that story in a small way. And so that was a real blessing. And then uh, Sun ended up picking us up in her car. And the funny story with Sun is she has this beautiful, you know, white Hyundai Sonata, um, uh, which her mom kind of jiggled. Uh, she, uh, she dented a few times because she was going to I guess Korean moms, they can't drive well that early in the morning. And the funny story is she said when I prophesied about her car, she, she laughed because she didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> 
But when she got to California, God started showing her all this favor, and she got her license. And when she went to get the car, the car was priced at like, what was it, like $8,500? $8,500, something like that. And she went with $5,000 in her pocket. And the lady was, she was like, I don't have the money. I have about this much. And the lady said, well, just come look at it anyway. It's a Korean lady. And then when she went to look at it, the Korean lady was like, you know what? I'll give it to you for 5500 So son just uh, paid whatever she had, and she got the car for 5500 It's crazy, right? Anyway, I mean, this is all God's favor. So she's experiencing God's favor. We saw Justin. He's doing real well. Uh, Bo, actually, Bo Kim, our uh, former membership secretary, she is actually uh, there visiting uh, the Bay Area. So we got to see them, and, and uh, yeah, we just had a wonderful time. Um, I got to work out. I haven't worked out in like a long time, and I went to a Planet Fitness gym or something like that. It's like a gym where they try to promote average people to come. So their motto is like, no judgment or no judging or something like that. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, we went. And uh, Pastor Benjamin has a younger brother named Charles, who is now like the, lead, the worship leader for Living Hope. And he's like kind of jacked. And so I was like, Charles, man, man, I used to look like you, bro. <laughs> and he was like, well, you want to go work out? Come on, you down? You want to go work out? And so I was like, all right, let's go, let's go. And so we went. And then Pastor Benjamin's like, I'm going too. So the three of us, we went, and we were spotting each other, and we are doing uh, with the chest and triceps. And for the rest of the trip, man, I was, like, paralyzed. <laughs> man, it was so... It's not a good idea to do on a short trip like that. And one of the most wonderful things that Aaron and I really enjoy there... Uh, we had a wonderful time with Cassandra and everything. Uh, but one thing we really enjoyed was at the end of the day, uh, Pastor Benjamin and, and Sonny will be in their bedroom. And they would just kind of invite us uh, into their bedroom. And we would just kind of sit at the foot of their bed. There, there was a, like a little sofa there. And so we would just kind of sit there. And they, they would tell us, uh, share about your day. Share about your ministry time. And so we would share. And then... And, and then they would share, and, they would start, and then Pastor Benjamin would start getting all this revelation. He'd start teaching, and I'd take out my iPhone and start recording. And Pastor Sonny would get all this revelation and start teaching, right? And then Aaron would start sharing something and start crying. And then, and then you know, and so, so it was, we just had that like three or four times. And we just really just enjoyed those precious moments. And uh, they really just spoke into our lives. And we just felt ourselves going to new levels. And what was cool about is uh, on the services where we ministered, uh, Pastor Benjamin and Sonny, they got these powerful prophetic words for us. So they had us come forward to the front, and they, they recorded these prophecies. And uh, it was just really amazing. So, man, we just had an amazing time. And so we just want to thank you for blessing us to uh, go out and uh, have these 10 days out in California. Uh, I'm sure that last week's service was powerful. Yeah. Pastor Marcus preached a powerful word. Yeah. yeah. I have to check it out this week. <laughs> All right. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 25. Let me see right here. Let me preach this word to you. Genesis 25, verse 29 to 34. It's the story of Esau and Jacob.
Right. Let's have the brothers read 29, sisters read the uh, next verse, and then so on until the end of the chapter. Uh, brothers, one, two, three, go. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Amen. We have here the story of Esau and Jacob. Esau is like a manly man. He's hairy. He's a hunter. And Jacob, he's more like a soft-spoken, gentle, quiet, introvert, like a melancholy. You know what I mean? And one day, Jacob was cooking something up, and Esau came in from, uh, from hunting, and he was just exhausted. And so Esau says, man, give me some of that stew. And Jacob's like, all right, I'll give you some, but promise me you'll sell me your birthright. And Esau's like, man, you're crazy, man. <laughs> give me some of that stew. And Jacob's like, no, I'm serious. Promise me that you'll give me your birthright now. And Esau's like, man, you're crazy, man. You know what? And what good is a birthright to me? I'm about I'm to die. Just get to here. You can have it. Give me some stew. And the Bible says in doing so, Esau despised his birthright. Now I want to ask you a question. Why did Jacob set up his brother like this? I mean, what a deceptive, trickery thing, tricky thing to do. Why would Jacob do such a horrible and manipulative thing? You know, he is in his moment of weakness and vulnerability. And Jacob exploits it to get something that's not even his. He's a thief. You know, uh, Jacob, his name pretty much means figuratively deceiver. So why did Jacob trick his brother in this way? Well, I believe you have to understand Jacob's situation. See, Jacob and Esau, they were twins. And although they were twins and born on the same day, because Esau came out first, he had the firstborn rights. Now, this meant that Jacob will be at a disadvantage later in the future. Esau will get the blessing. He will get the inheritance. He will get the birthright. But Jacob may get whatever leftovers. And so Jacob knew early on in life that being second, being born the second, he knew that he was at a clear disadvantage. And so Jacob probably thought that by obtaining this birthright, that he could obtain an inheritance, a rich inheritance. Now, the Bible says here that Esau despised his birthright. Now, what is this birthright that the Bible is talking about? What is a birthright? 
Well, you guys know that the firstborn son in most cultures, they have the birthright to the inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. inheritance. By despising his birthright, Esau was despising his inheritance. Now, a lot of Christians today, they have what I call the Esau syndrome. You know what a syndrome is? It's a set of conditions, symptoms. The Esau syndrome. You know, a lot of Christians, just like Esau despises birthright, a lot of Christians, they despise the word of God. They don't really treat this inheritance, this rich inheritance. You know how rich this thing is? It's been passed down to us through thousands and thousands of years. Through numerous wars where this book was burned, this book was stepped on, this book was buried, but they could not get rid of this book because this book is living. And a lot of Christians, they have this Esau syndrome where they just despise the word of God. They don't even open it up. In a given week, they treat it with contempt. You know, um, even in, even here at New Philly, we have, we have sons and daughters who struggle with the Esau syndrome. Because not only is your inheritance involving the Bible, you know that your inheritance, it comes through spiritual fathers. So your inheritance doesn't just consist of the word of God as written in the Bible, but it also consists of the words that come forth from your spiritual father's mouth. The doctrine, the teaching, the counsel, the advice, the prophecies. And when your spiritual father speaks into your life, he is giving you your inheritance. You know, you have to understand that when Jesus left the earth... He did not leave a physical material inheritance to his disciples. See, Jesus, when he was ascending into heaven, he said, make disciples of all nations and I'll be with you to the end of the end of the, to the, end of the age. When Jesus was ascending to heaven, he wasn't like, oh, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me give you all something. Let me give you all inheritance. Here, here, I got, I got, I got $200 in my pocket. There you go, Chris. Here is my staff. There you go, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Oh, here are my shoes, Peter. I don't know what size you wear, but here, take my shoes. Let me give y'all a material inheritance so that you can, you can do well. No, no, he didn't give him anything. But what did he give him? He gave him his words. Because I'm telling you right now, more powerful than a million dollars are the words of your spiritual father. Are the words that God speaks into your life and tries to deposit into your life. And he, and he gives it to you like money. And he says, steward it. Don't bury it. Steward it. Do something with it. Make it multiply. Glorify my name. But a lot of Christians, they take these words. They take their inheritance. And they despise it. They bury it. They struggle with the Esau syndrome. 
you know, in chapter 27, later on here, it says that Isaac, when he got old and his eyes grew dim, he called his firstborn son Esau and said, hey, Esau, my firstborn son, I want you to go out and hunt me some game, hunt me, get me some good meat and make me some, make me some of that stew you love making because I don't know when I'm going to die. Right. And, and the irony is actually, uh, Isaac went on to live to a total of 180 years. So, uh, this was a false call. <laughs> but anyway, he didn't know when he was going to die. He thought he was going to die any moment. So he tells Esau to go out and hunt. And while Esau went out, Jacob and his mother overheard a conversation and they decide to trick Isaac, the father. And so, uh, Rebecca makes this stew and tells her son, Jacob says, go and give it to your father so that he can give you the blessing before he dies. And so, uh, the difference between Esau and Jacob was Esau was hairy. Jacob was like Asian. He was like really <laughs> hairless and they smell different too. And Isaac picks up on this and says, wait a minute, your voice is like Jacob, but your skin is like Esau. Because what happened was Jacob took some like, like fur or whatever and he covered himself with, with, with some fur. <laughs> whatever, like a carpet or whatever, right? <laughs> Next thing you know, Isaac says, Mmm, that stew was good. Let me bless you. Come here, son. You are blessed. You, uh, your, your, you, your brother will serve you. You will be blessed. People will serve you. I don't know. Like he does this amazing blessing. And Jacob just receives it all. Then Esau comes in. And says, Father, I've brought that, that game that you wanted. Let me make you that stew so you can bless me. And then Isaac's like, what do you mean? I just blessed you just now, Esau. And Esau's like, what are you talking about? I just came back from hunting. And Isaac's like, someone has tricked me. And Esau starts to cry and says, well, can't you just bless me too? Just bless me. And Isaac's like, no, no. The way I blessed the previous person, I can't take that back. I said that that that, that person will, the, the, will be served. He's going he's gonna to be blessed all of his life. I can't give you that. I, I can't nullify that blessing by giving you, you know, and, and, and Esau starts to cry. And then, and then Isaac gives him like this, like mediocre blessing. <laughs> anyway, what ends up happening is what Esau despised, he just simply reaped. He despised that inheritance. He despised the blessing. And so he reaped nothing pretty much. Um, you know, at New Philly, you know who reminds me the most of, of Jacob? Let me tell you right now. Okay. It's Danny Suck. Let me explain. All right. Where's Danny? Okay. All right. Danny Suck. All right. That man right there, man. He is Jacob personified. Okay. If you have ever gone out anywhere with Danny, you know that Danny has this amazing ability to convince the waiter. We can have a group of 30, 40, 50 people. And he will somehow convince the waiter to get us all free drinks. Or to get us all free appetizers. Or to take 25% off the price somehow. I mean, I've seen it time and time again. 
I mean, there is no time I go out when we don't get a discount or get something for service. He has this amazing ability. I know that if a concert or a sports event was ever sold out, I would expect Danny Suck in the front row somehow. <laughs> Nothing deters Danny from getting what he has set his eyes on. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's not just Danny's ability to get what he wants that reminds me of Jacob. But it's the way that he treasures my words and he treasures my blessing. Whenever Danny asks Pastor Aaron or myself to get a prayer of blessing, he will take out his iPhone and he will record that thing. Because he doesn't want any single bit of those words falling to the ground. You see, Jacob treasured his father's blessing. He believed that it was a real blessing, that it wasn't just words going out into thin air. But you see, Jacob had faith. So it's not a matter of, it's not a matter of character, it's a matter of faith. Jacob had faith that the blessing is real because he believed the God of that blessing is real. He knew that there is a God above that was going to execute the words of blessing that his father was speaking. So he did not permit a single word to fall to the ground. He treasured up his father's blessing. He treasured his inheritance. He treasured it so much, he was willing to lie to get it. Like Jacob, Danny understands that living in Korea, he's at a disadvantage in some ways. Korean is not his first language. Being a foreigner is hard to start a business in Korea. He doesn't have thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest. But Danny knows he's at a disadvantage. But he also knows that with God's blessing, he can prosper and increase to unimaginable levels. Amen, Danny? Now, when we... When we look, when we normally look upon the story of Jacob and Esau, we often focus on the manipulation and deception of Jacob. And we gasp in horror. Man, it surely was by God's grace that Jacob was grafted into the lineage of Jesus. What a deceptive young man. Terrible. I will never do that. And we always gasp in horror over his deceptive and manipulative ways. But today I want to show you that God's highlighter isn't focused on Jacob's manipulation, but on Jacob's faith. God is not obsessed over Jacob's manipulative ways as much as he commends Jacob's faith. God loves Jacob's hunger, his heart, his faith. That he overlooks the means and methods by which Jacob's willing to go and get it. Now, I want to ask you a question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Do you believe that the inheritance that you receive from this house is key and essential to your growth and prosperity? Do you really believe that? Do you treasure the words 
Do you treasure the teachings, the doctrine, the prophecies, the blessings, the advice? Do you treasure it so much that you'll be willing to deceive someone to get it? Do you treasure it like Jacob? Or do you despise it like Esau? That's the question. Are you willing to press in and possess your inheritance like Jacob? Or are you going to give it up for pleasure of the flesh? You know, in some ways, man, as we are growing in sonship, we all struggle in some ways with the Esau syndrome. Myself included. You know, Pastor Benjamin is the spiritual father that Pastor Aaron and I have submitted to and committed to. You know, when we were over there, you know, Pastor Benjamin commends me. A lot of times he'll commend me. He'll say, he'll share with Pastor Robert Daniels, his spiritual father. Pastor Benjamin will share with the spiritual father and say, man, you should see what Pastor Christian did today. Today, Christian, when I was sharing, I got all this revelation for him while we're eating fried chicken. And, and Christian, right away, he took out his iPhone. He just started recording everything I was saying. And then the next thing you know, Pastor Benjamin started recording everything Pastor Robert Daniels is saying. And Pastor Daniels was saying, you see that? Mature sons bring out the best in even their fathers. A good son can bring out even the best in their fathers. He said, sons are taking the fathers to new levels. But, you know, that's not entirely accurate. Because although I recorded, right? The busyness of life, the tyranny of the busyness of my life sometimes, it gets the best of me. And I might record it, but I might not listen to it for a long time. But here's the foolish part. When I do listen to it five months, six months after he said it, man, I get so blessed. I go, man, why didn't I listen to this three months ago? I would have saved myself all this trouble I just went through. I would have, I I literally shift out. Because sometimes he'll say it while eating fried chicken. I'm so busy in chicken, I don't really digest it. I'm, you know, sometimes it's hard to digest revelation and fried chicken at the same time. And so I don't get it the first time around. That's why I know I got to record it. But later on, I'll listen to it months later, and it will just shift me out of my struggle. This is amazing grace just gets released when I listen to those words. But the fact of the matter is, most of the time, he writes blog entries. And I don't read the blog entries. That's my inheritance. But what do I do instead? For pleasure of the flesh, I'm just surfing Facebook mindlessly. I mean, how many hours in a week do we spend mindlessly looking through our news feed, trying to look for something new and interesting? I mean, mo- I, mean I, I think we need to redeem Facebook and use it for kingdom purposes. But we also need to learn how to discipline ourselves to limit our Facebook usage. But man, when it comes down to it, mindless Facebook surfing is the pleasure of the flesh. It's fine to surf Facebook. I'm not condemning you for it. But it's probably better to be strategic about it. Just do it one hour a day at most. Instead of doing five hours of mindless surfing, just make one hour of intentional surfing. You know what I'm saying? But what do I do? I do five hours of mindless and I go, oh, I should look at the blog. I should read the blog, but I don't. He'll post up a Thursday Thunder message, Sunday service message. There's all this awesome revelation he's been teaching on his podcast. And then what do I do on my commute to Torch? I'm watching uh, 
ABC News morning show or something like Today Show or something like that. It's fine to watch Today Show, but I'm just saying I'm struggling with the Esau syndrome too in some ways. And today what I want to say is I want to give you steps to help you to break the Esau syndrome off your life. Okay, I'm going to give you three steps because, you know, three, thing, three, three points are the easiest to remember. Here's the three steps that you can break the Esau syndrome. Number one, you got to find the father. All right, if, if your struggle is not just the words of your spiritual father, but your struggle is just you despise the word of God and you don't ever open it up. Or you make decisions for your life, big decisions, but you have nobody speaking into it. You, you are the postmodern child. The only person that can judge the will of God for you is you. And you don't allow anyone to ever speak into your life. And everything's just relative to you. Just, you know, you know uh, that sounds right to me. That sounds right to me. That sounds right to me. But you don't have anyone there to be like, no, this is good. This is better. And this is just straight up wrong. You have no father speaking into your life. So you have no clarity. Uh, you know, if you ever watch a natural orphan, man, it is one of the most heartbreaking things. If you watch a child in the, in the natural who is an orphan, right, they really struggle through life because there's no covering. There's no clarity. They're constantly having to second guess themselves. You will find very few orphans rising up to success. Just in the real world, you, you will see very few. It's because, here's the thing, right? You can't receive an inheritance without a family. So if you're not willing to commit to a local church, commit to a spiritual family, and lay down your roots, and get to know and submit and commit to the father of that house, and get to know the brothers and sisters in that family of God, if you're not willing to do that, there's no inheritance for you. Because orphans don't get an inheritance. Sons do. So that even though you are a true son, by the blood of Jesus, you never experience true sonship. Because you keep walking with an orphan spirit on you. So step one to break the Esau syndrome off your life is you got to find a father. You got to find a man of God that you trust. That you have peace with. That you're willing to learn from. That you're willing to give him that authority. Give him and her that authority to speak into your life. And I'm not just talking about having a bunch of mentors. Right? I think it's good to have a bunch of mentors. But you got to have a central mentor. That's going to say, you know what? No, this is the voice of the Lord. This isn't. You see... If you just have a bunch of mentors, and when you're making a big decision, you know what you're going to end up doing? You're only going to end up listening to the mentor that fits the convenience of your conviction or your persuasion at any given moment. So in one season, you're like listening to the voice of this mentor, because this mentor is agreeing with you about everything. And then the other mentors disagree with you. So you're like, man, forget them. I'm going to listen to this one. The next year, you're listening to this mentor, you know? And you're just like, oh, man, I like that mentor in the past year, but not this year. This mentor is the one who is leading me, and this mentor is agreeing with me about everything. And then next year, you see, you see that? You know what that is? That's an orphan. 
Is an orphan going from house to house, crashing in house to house, and saying, are you my papa? Are you my mama? What? You disagree with me? No, I don't like you. Are you my mama? Are you my papa? It's an orphan. You don't belong to any family. You don't belong to any house. First step, breaking the Esau syndrome, is you got to find the father. You got to be committed. You got to be rooted. If you want authority to flow into your life and you want to you wanna exercise authority yourself, you want to exercise great influence, you got to learn how to submit to authority. You got to learn how to give that authority to a set man over your life. Somebody there who's, who can shepherd your soul. Second step is to treasure and possess your inheritance. Treasure and possess your inheritance. Uh, at New Philly, we require all the leaders... Whether Pastor Aaron or I, we preach in California, we preach in Australia, we preach at Itaewon, or we preach here at Hillside, we require all 140 leaders to listen to every single sermon that we preach. Why do we do that? Because, what, to give you a bigger burden? To give you more homework? Because we're full of ourselves and we want you to listen to every message we preach? No, it's because we have the heart of the father and the heart of the father is to give you an inheritance we want you to treasure and possess your inheritance treasure it so much that you're willing to do something even sinful to get it i mean that's how how much hunger that's how much zeal that you should have for your inheritance we can learn something from jacob is what i'm trying to say we got to learn how to treasure and possess it. That means, uh, Pastor Aaron, you know, even in passing, after Sunday service, you're like, hey, Pastor Aaron, or oh, Pastor Christian, oh, I know you're all busy, but can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? i got to make this decision. And I, can, I, can I talk to you? And we take a moment and we just say, all right, what's going on? Oh, i got to make this decision. Am I going to make that? What do you think? And I was like, well, what does your small group leader say? And then they say, oh, well, my small group leader is saying, oh, I, I'm in agreement with your small group leader. Goodbye. And I walk out. Okay. When that happens, what do y'all do? I need a third opinion. Let me call up another pastor that I, also, I used to know. And let me call up another pastor here. And with every pastor that disagrees with you, we just look for another pastor. That's a picture of an orphan. If you really treasure our words, when we say we agree with your small group leader... And we're just giving you our discernment. Now, if we're wrong, all right, we'll deal with that. We'll deal with that, all right? And here's the thing about God's grace. If we're wrong about our discernment, about some decision you need to make about a romantic relationship or a job, here, here's a little news for you, all right? Your, God's plans for your life are not dependent on whether Pastor Aaron and I get everything perfect. It's dependent on His grace. So even if we make a mistake, God's grace covers it all. God's love covers it all. And God is like the ultimate GPS system. No matter how little of a step you take off the course that he's recommended for you, it will just recalculate and bring you right back. So don't fear. It's not the end of the world. You're still going to get married. (laughs) 
Yeah, so this means, man, possess it. Treasure it and possess it like Jacob did. You know, you get a prophetic word, you know, and John Westfall sends you that email. You know why we do that? Because we want you to possess your inheritance. Do you know I have on my sugar sink and Dropbox account on my iPhone, I have a folder. It says prophecies for Pastor Christian. I just put PC because it's, it's, it's convenient. And then we have prophecies for Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. And then I have prophecies for others. Some of, some of your prophecies I actually archive away. Just to see what God does with it. I have this folder and I look through that regularly. Why? Because I want to possess my inheritance. You know, let me share with you what, what uh, Pastor Benjamin got for me while I was in California. I'll just read a little excerpt, right? Here's a powerful, powerful word. Pastor Benjamin said, there's increase of supernatural wisdom coming to you. Like Moses, God, like Moses... Oh, like Moses, God has given you the blueprints at the mountaintop. God is taking you into his presence that no man has access to. More intimacy with the Lord. The Lord is taking you into his bosom. And the fruit from your 40-day fast has not yet come. But it is coming. There's going to be an overflow of wisdom that's going to be poured out to you. And from that wisdom and overflow, you're going to write books. Okay, now, I always wanted to write books, but I don't know no one in my family that has ever written a book. Now, you guys know, if you have a family member who's ever written a book, it's a little easier for you to write the book. But I got nobody. None of my cousins in Tegu, none of my uncles all over the United States, nobody's ever written a book. I don't know nobody. I don't even know how to go about it. But because Pastor Benjamin said, I will, I will. I believe it. I don't despise it and go, oh, well, I don't know. I have all these inadequacies. I've never written a book. I don't have any cousins that wrote a book. I don't know, Pastor Benjamin. You want to pray about that again? No, if Pastor Benjamin said it, then I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to shift myself into it, and I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write many books. And look, if I say you will also write a book, then believe it. Hallelujah. Here's another uh, word Pastor Sonny prophesied right after that. She said, you are the gateway to the manifest presence. Now, this was a hard word for me to believe because on this trip, right, last year, one year ago, I preached at Living Hope. And I preached on the fire of God. And I told people, come up if you want the fire. People came forward and people just got blasted with fire. After a while, people saw the manifestations. Everybody came forward, almost everybody. Like about 60% of the congregation, they came forward and everybody was crying, slobbering, getting whacked on the ground, shaking. And it was like a powerful manifest presence. If you don't know what manifest presence means, it just simply means that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. His presence is everywhere and at all times, right? But when he does his manifest presence, he takes his presence and he makes it real in one moment in time in one physical place. That's called his manifest presence. He manifests his presence to show you that he's really there. Sorry, some people shake, some people fall, all that stuff, right? Anyway, that was really powerful last year. On this trip, I saw like a little trickle of manifest presence. Now, I've, I've learned and matured to not depend on that, but to believe that God is still doing a mighty work. But after this trip, that was the last thing I wanted to hear. But Pastor Sonny says, no, you are the gateway to the manifest presence. And then she said, this manifest presence comes from intimacy. 
Satan has been lying to you about intimacy being your weakness, but intimacy is your strength. People are going to feel intimacy even with you simply by one gaze. She said, when you walk by people, when you, even when you walk by people, they're going to encounter God. Now, how, how does she know this? She couldn't have known this. This is definitely the gift of prophecy. Why? Because there's a small voice that has been in my head ever since I was a high school student. Lying to me and saying, intimacy is your weakness. Intimacy is your weakness. But God has shown me and proven to me time and time over again. That's a lie. Because when I have these like two, three hour prayer marathons with the Lord, it's powerful. Clarity comes. His presence comes. I mean, I'm just like soaking it in. I love those intimate moments with the Lord. But even after, like the moment it ends, Satan will still lie to me. Intimacy is your weakness. You're always going to struggle for making time with the Lord, for being intimate with the Lord. And so Pastor Sunny comes and she breaks that line, confronts that line, says, no, intimacy is your strength. Satan is only attacking you in that area because that is your area of greatest strength. And out of that intimacy will come this gateway for God's manifest presence. And people will be healed. People will encounter the living God just through one gaze. <laughs> Young Kim, you feeling that? You feel that gaze? Fight back them tears right now because I know. So she said it, I believe it, and I'm holding on to it. I will not let it fall to the ground because I treasure and possess it. And the third way you break the Esau syndrome is you give away your inheritance. You know, Isaac blessed Jacob. But you know what? Jacob, later on, he had 12 sons. He ended up blessing all of his sons. Actually, a couple of his sons, he gave it like a curse because they were all crazy and stuff. But anyway, he didn't, he didn't look at his 12 sons and says, no, I can only bless the firstborn. No, he took that inheritance and he gave it away and multiplied. What am I trying to say? What am I trying to say is in the, a natural inheritance, when you give it away, you lose it. But in a spiritual inheritance, when you give it away, it multiplies. That's why Jesus, after he ascends, he tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. You will go around giving away your inheritance, giving away the words that I've given to you over these last three years. You're going to give it away, and it's just going to multiply. You want to break that Esau syndrome? Then give away your inheritance. If you really believe what your spiritual father has taught you, what you have learned, then teach others. Give it away. And you will walk in this rich inheritance that the Lord has prepared for you. You know, this whole inheritance talk, man, I'm telling you right now. No matter where you are called, whether you're called to business, whether you're called to the sports arena, whether you're called to the ministry, education, wherever you're called, right? When you possess your inheritance, these seeds of the kingdom, when they're inside of you, wherever you're assigned, you can prosper. 
This inheritance is not just for full-time ministry is what I'm trying to say. This inheritance is given to you for you to prosper wherever God's called you. And here's the thing about our inheritance. God has grafted us into a rich lineage. So not only do you have the words of your spiritual mother and father, you have the words of your spiritual granddaddy and grandmama. Pastor Benjamin and Sonny. See, I want to encourage all of you beginning this year. And I was waiting for the podcast to get fixed, by the way. But now it's fixed. Daniel's on top of it. It's fixed. I want to encourage every one of you to go and possess your inheritance, even from your spiritual grandparents. You know, whenever Pastor Benjamin comes, you guys love it. Last year, last year's retreat, it was packed. We have people I've never even seen coming to the retreat. And then when he came in December, Friday fire, we're averaging 60, 70 people. Friday fire was packed. 200 people was up in here. I was like, I've never seen you at Friday fire. I didn't even know you prayed, brother. Are you even saved? You guys love it when Pastor Benjamin comes, right? Well, here's a little news for you. You don't have to listen to him once a year. You have access to that inheritance. It's all part of one inheritance. Every single week on the podcast. Two times a week, a lot of times. And uh, you also have Pastor Robert Daniels, your great granddaddy. Man, he just feeds into us as well when he sees us. I'm telling you right now, man, you guys have a rich inheritance because God has grafted us into a wonderful lineage, a wonderful family. And it is a family, good news, that is continually growing. I don't think you guys understand. Just how much this family is going to grow. Now, my prayer is, in spite of the growth, that the intimacy will remain the same. That the relational aspect will never be lost. Because inheritance doesn't doesn't come just through, you know, listening to CDs and tapes and MP3s. It comes through relationship. You know? And you guys are able... The, the effects of our words have that much more power because you are in covenant relationship with us. Like you can listen to Bill Johnson and you know what, Bill Johnson, I think, I think he, he's, he preaches better than me sometimes. <laughs> I know, or, or, you know, or Mike Bickle or, you know, Rick Joyner or I don't know who you guys like or listen to Heidi Baker or whatever, right? But here's the thing. You're not in covenant relationship with them. So you can learn a thing or two. But when you're going through something down or you're anxious, there's anxiety you're struggling with, fear you're struggling with, self-doubt, confusion about your calling, confusion about the decisions you need to make, confusion about your romantic relationships, Bill Johnson's MP3 is not going to set you free. Can somebody say amen? amen. They're not going to set you free. It's gonna be, you're going to get set free through a person you're in covenant relationship with. That's why it's important you go out to small group. Because it's all connected. All the small group leaders, they serve you as an extension of our authority. You're under their covering, you're under our covering. So break that Esau syndrome. And get crazy like Jacob. And possess your inheritance, y'all. Let's pray.